Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. How's the bacon, did you say? That's it, Oh, what a fantastic hit! Roy Keane on Holland. Here's Sancho. Hello and welcome to the Prawn Sandwich Podcast Season 4. I am your host Nathan Cupid and as usual joined by Jamie Jackson and Dylan McKenzie. Hello, good afternoon. Um, we hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Ryan of the FM Retro Group. Um, shout out to him, thank you very much for coming on. Um, shout out to our sponsors, T7 Clothing and Apple Tree Pub in Carlisle. And this week... It's the first of a new venture, shall we say, for the podcast. Um, it's a guest, but it's an ex-pro. Yes, yes. We've finally got ourselves on the ladder. This is it. So, our first pro, ex-pro guest is none other than Nottingham Forest legend, Mr. Mark Crossley. So, it was, uh, it was an absolute joy to interview him. Um, I just want to put a disclaimer out before the interview goes off. That <laughs> as it was our first one, what I personally thought started off pretty well. I felt <laughs> like I felt a shit because I was quite in awe of the situation and got very nervous <laughs> as the interview went on. So yeah. please, please uh, forgive my uh, debut interview. <laughs> an absolute legend of football, but uh, what an absolute lovely bloke. Love it. Love it. I wasn't there for this when I was at work, but it's just, I'm proud of these lads. I'm proud of our little podcast. It's grew up so fast. I know. Uh, it was, uh, you. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a, a nice talking moment. shit about songs to interview an ex-pros. <laughs> <laughs> I still say Football the Music is one of my favourite ever episodes, to be honest. <laughs> it, it, just, it just popped into my head. That's why I love it. So, why, why beat around the bush? Let's get into it. So, get ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it, this is Mark Crossley. Enjoy. Hi, mate. Hi, mate. Mark, how are you doing, pal? All right. Yeah, good. Thanks so much for coming on. And no worries. Having the patience with us as we got it sorted. <laughs> I know I was messaging, because I said, send me a reminder, because I will forget, and I always do forget, because I do that many of these, to be honest, and... Uh, Kind of like I've had uh, had a break from them recently because the after dinner circuit's starting back up, so oh. I don't want to get too many stories. You know, <laughs> nah, nice one, mate. Uh, have you missed doing that then over the last year? Oh yeah, my last one was uh, I've done a couple of live ones via Zoom, but they're not like there's no interaction, no crowd interaction, is there? So it's a bit, it's it's not the same. But last my last proper one was January the thirty first. Last year, not this year, last year. Bloody hell. So that's how long they've been, they've been not able to do them, like, you know. Everybody, but it's, uh, it's it's busy, though, September, October, November, like everybody's gone mad for them, so. Oh, quality, man. Quality. Have you managed to keep yourself busy then? Um, yeah, I'm retired now anyway. Uh, well, semi-retired because there was that much work, there's that much work for the after-dinner stuff and I enjoy doing it and it's, 
I just got a bit fed up with the coaching, like, you know what I mean? I just, I've been in the game now 33 years and I, I just wanted a break, to be honest. But then when I come out of it, I really struggled mentally, like, like hit me bad. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I got involved in uh, this mental health charity stuff that I do. Yeah, the walking is brilliant. Uh, yeah, walking's brilliant, yeah. Yeah, I see a lot of that, mate. I follow you on Twitter. The, uh, I do enjoy the videos that you put up when you're, when you're out and about. It's a really, like, good feeling, good vibe about it. Yeah, the bit, like, the good thing about it is it, I'm, it's, like, overwhelmed me, really, with the amount, because my Twitter's open to direct messages. Now, I don't tell people what to do or, or if they're having problems, but I just tell them what helps me and it and it's helped a lot of people like it's surprising you won't believe it like people saying oh you've saved my life and stuff like that it's like really really bad oh it's brilliant mate um i, I personally lost my brother to mental health so anything like Did that you? i'm all on board for then uh mm. i followed it myself and we live in carlisle so lake district for us it's brilliant just to get walking yeah so I appreciate anyone like yourself doing stuff like that so yeah no. That's brilliant. Are the restrictions starting to lift a bit now? Because you also you enjoy your golf, don't you? So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been the um, I've got down to handicap of seven now, so I'm like, I've got fifty-two year old. It's took me that long to get down down to down to single figures, but I'm playing that much. I suppose that's probably why. No. Play three, four times a week now. Oh, brilliant, man. Brilliant. I'm not trying to get it for the dinner start because I'm all over Scotland, Wales, I'm all over the place with it, so I won't be able to play as much. Yeah. Get as, make the most of it as, uh, while you can. Yeah. Um, Got it. But um, moving on to your football career then, mate. Yeah. Uh, career that spanned just over 20 years, playing for clubs like Nottingham Forest, Middlesbrough, Fulham, Chef Webb, amongst others. Did you envisage having such a long career when you were first starting out of Forest? Well, it was weird how it started because I played local football, and I, but I was a centre-half um, right up until being 15. I captained the South Yorkshire boys at, at, as a centre-half uh, and the goalie got injured and there weren't no sub-goalies than that then. And because I was the biggest, they're like, Put the gloves on, you know what I mean? And and I never moved since that game. So through that goalkeeper getting injured, <laughs> it's kind of how my career kick-started, really. Um, I suppose that's what... I, I was always good with my feet, you know. So um, I suppose that helped me as well when the new rule came in. But I, I never... I went to Watford and I got offered a scholarship. And after three months... I sacked it off, I packed it in because I got homesick. Uh, that's why I always, I feel for these guys that have to leave home and go and live in digs and stuff like that. It's, it's not it's not easy. Uh, so I came home and I went back to college. I went to Art and Design College in back in Barnsley and uh, I played really good standard Sunday league football. And I got we got to a final of, of a cup on Bramall Lane and there were lots of scouts there. And that's when I got the chance to go to Forest. And we went, I remember the, we went down, it was over a weekend and there were like 200 kids there. And like you used to look at a, on the board after that, after the first 
session. There'd be loads of games going on to see if you'd made it down to the last 100. And then then it got to 50 and then it got narrowed down to 20. I was still on there. And then like a final 11 to do an apprenticeship. And that's how it worked back then. Uh, open trials and, and, and luckily I made it. Yeah. So that's how it started. And then I packed in going to college and I, and I signed at Nottingham Forest. And I ended up being there 13 years. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. man. So, how early on did you meet Brian Clough then? From when you signed? As More or less straight away, because like he, he always used to watch the youth team. He always used to watch the reserves. Um, as well as obviously taking charge of the first team. He was always at all them games. And that's why so much young talent got the chance in the first team. I mean, my youth team, about seven or eight, went, went on to get um, playing the first team. So, and that's why, because he was always there watching. My first meeting with him, he come up to me and said, um, well done, young man, he said. <laughs> I said, thank you. He says, it's boss to you. He said, thank you, boss. He says, if you'd like to play football for me, I suggest you get your bloody haircuts on. <laughs> so I had long curly hair. And uh, the next day I had to go and get it all shaved off. I was gutted, short back to the side. Uh, so that, that was my first meeting with him. I think that's how it's different now, like with so many jobs in football, but someone like him ran the entire club. Yeah, he ran it from top to bottom. So, And I speak about this often. And I, I went to Manchester United on loan for a month in 1990. Very much similar. Both managers make you understand that the most important people at the football club is not yourself, it's not your first team, it's not your teammates. It's, it's the people that cook your dinner. It's the cleaners that clean the dressing room. It's the ladies that sew your kit when it needs sewing. It, it, all that and we knew them all. We were all on first name terms with all of them, and it was that sign of respect. And for me, that's how you grow a football club, and it becomes. And it, and it was the same at Manchester United with Alex Ferguson. The first person he introduced me to when I when I went for that month was the ladies that cooked the dinners. This is Pam. This is Eileen. What I can't remember whatever their names were. Um, she'll be cooking your dinner. If there's anything you need, just ask. And and and, and the 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 integrate like. They make you feel as though you're coming into like a family environment. Yeah. So, and that that for me, that's how a football club should be run. You, you know, like kit men, kit men that like how important are they? You know what I mean? Without a kit man, you, you you can't have clean kit, you can't have clean slips, you can't have clean socks. So and and, and Cluffy used to make sure that you realise that. Clean shaven. If you that uh, if you weren't clean shaven and he caught you in the corridor coming into training, just send you home. <laughs> Look, scruffy, please, scruffy son. Off you go. <laughs> but it stopped it, it stopped you from doing it. You know, don't stand with your hands in your pockets when you're speaking to people. It's a sign of lack of respect, you know, all little things like that. And I've carried that, I've carried that on through my life and uh eye contact with people when you're speaking to them and an handshake has to be a proper handshake because otherwise it's just like and, I, and I've carried that on so it's not only taught me about football and how to play football it te teaches you about life skills as well important life skills yeah 
Would you say he was the like your best manager that you played under then? Oh, there's I wasn't at Manchester United long enough, but obviously Alex Ferguson, a great manager, and but I've had 21 managers that I played for, and he was this guy is a different breed, mate. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. I think the good thing about it is, is that you never knew what to expect from day to day. Every day was different, you know, and everything with him was psychological. Everything was psychological. Hi, Alfie. Hi. <laughs> My boy, come to the door there. Hi, Alfie. He's not football. <laughs> he tries, he tries, but he's not, but he's not that bothered. <laughs> yeah, he was the best. He, he was... People say, "What? What did you? Were you scared of him?" That usually—that's the usual question. But I think it was more like we were in awe of him rather than scared of him. Yeah. People like him, like obviously, is a bit before mine and Dylan's time. I'm 32 and Dylan's only 28, so uh, it's just a little bit before our time. But when you see, like, if you watch a documentary or something, and just he seems to always have this, almost have this aura about him when he's. Speaking even on camera, it's just that's right. It's, uh, like the, the press, the press were terrified of him. Yeah, terrified of him because he could shoot him down in an instance. Like you know, <laughs> I remember, I remember seeing an interview uh, by him, and it, it we we were playing Crystal Palace, I think it was, and um, I was going through a, a sticky patch. I was getting a bit of stick from the crowd and things weren't, everything was going wrong. Um, and Brian Moore was the, was the interviewee and he, and he said to Cluffy before the game, he said, oh, you, you, you've kept faith with your young goalkeeper, Mark Crossley, when people thought there might be a change. Uh, and he said, Brian, we're fourth in the league and a lot of it's down to him. Next question. So, <laughs> you know, it's like he knew that I would watch that interview. And that was his way, way of like thinking, well, he, he's going to, and this could be the turning point that the manager's got me, he's backing me in, in front of the whole country. He's doing this interview. I'm going to see it. And I'm going to feel, even though I'm having a bad time, I'm probably expecting to, be, to get dropped. That's such a little thing that gives you that lift. And then from then on, I went, oh, the manager's got my back here big time. Yeah. All of a sudden, things start to, to turn and uh, start performing again. Mm. Um, obviously, you were quite young when you made your debut. Under yeah. You? you were just, uh, was it 18, 19 year old? Yeah. Yeah, 19. 18. 18, yeah. Once you established your place as number one, though, you were you were his number one choice for well for the rest of his time at Forest, weren't you? And... Yeah, I played three games in the first season. I don't know whether you've, you've heard the story and some of the stuff I've done where he made me play for his son's yeah. Sunday league. Team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I played three games in the first team. So I made my debut. It was by luck that I made my debut because Steve Sutton was the first team goalie. He, he had a virus during the day, couldn't play. Hans Seegers was on loan at Wimbledon. Two of the older goalkeepers, older than me, were injured. So there was basically, there was no one else, you know. So I played in the game, I made my debut, but 
and he told me at seven o'clock that I was going to play with a with an half seven kickoff. So the brilliance behind that management was that not to get, although he knew it during the day because he rang my dad up and said, "Get yourself down to the game tonight." Mark's playing. He said, "But whatever you do, don't phone him, don't tell him, because he'll shit himself if, uh, <laughs> if 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 he finds out." And it was just the, when I look back, I had half an hour to get out there, play the game, and then I played the next two games, and then just to stop you getting a little bit too big for your boots. The the day after the Coventry in the FA Cup, my third game, he told me to go to his house the next morning for nine o'clock and he said, bring your boots and your gloves. Um, so I didn't know why I was going. I, I thought, you know, maybe he's going to give me some coaching on his big garden or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, as it happens, his, his other son, Nigel's brother, Nigel Plus brother, Simon, he, he, he was the manager of a, um, a team called AC Hunters in the, in Division Five of the Derbyshire Sunday League, <laughs> and they hadn't got a goalkeeper, so he made me play. They got fined fifty quid for playing a ring of the team, and it, and he made me pay my the fifty pound uh, <laughs> out of my wages at Nottingham Forest. <laughs> no, no, no so, argument from yourself when you've done that, though. <laughs> it's brilliant, my management, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. it's yeah. And, uh, and you know. If you get too big for your boots, son, this is what happens, you know. So maybe he's seen something, maybe he's seen that I was getting a little bit over the top and thinking I made it, and then boom, here you go, knock yourself back down to earth like that. <laughs> and then 15 games, I think, the following season, and then season after that, um, ever-present, yeah. I think I did 393 in total, including cups and cup runs and stuff. You, you played in the 91 Cup final as well, didn't you? you That's right, yeah. yeah. In there, the Gaza Cup final, they call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. Was that, what was that like, mate? What, what was it like? Going well, on? obviously, nobody remembers the losers. But one thing, I, I, I went into the record books that day because I saved Gary Lineker's penalty and there's only, there's only three ever done it in normal time. So I'm one of them, you know. So something I'm proud of. I'm gutted we lost and it, we only wanted to win the FA Cup for Cluffy because it was the only cup he'd never won. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't to be. And probably one of his best players he's ever had, Des Walker, scored the own goal in extra time that cost us. But yeah, it was nice to win to the record books. I'm, I, I, I have this knack of saving penalties. I, don't ask me why. I'm not, I, I don't know. I was probably just a good... I always went off in, instinct. You know, so obviously you'll know I'm, I'm the only one that's ever... Save Matt Letizia's penalty, and yeah. uh, we have some right banter over that on social media. Like, it's, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, and I've and I saved uh, eight eight penalties from fourteen in the in the Premier League. So I oh, think wow. I told that I owe the record for that fifty seven percent. Yeah, it's a nice, nice start that. Nice if I'd have been if I'd have been good at uh, all the other stuff, I'd have been uh, I'd have been a hundred grand a week now, wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> we had a question off the. Uh... The um, Letizia save. Right. So, better feeling. You're the only one to save a Letizia penalty or your goal for Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> well, at the time, I didn't know, like, Matt Letizia was on 20 penalties at the time and then I saved it. And I, I didn't know that he was going to go on to obviously score for another 47, 48, whatever it was. But I must admit, scoring a goal... And in front of the cop at Hillsborough, that was special. That was like, 
Oh my God, my old man didn't go to the game and he rang me up and goes, oh no, you've not scored another own goal, have you? Because I scored the Premier League's first ever own goal. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah we got that. I scored, yeah, I scored the Premier League's first ever own goal. So my old man rings me, oh no, you've scored another own goal. I said, no, I equalised. I went up for a corner, Dad, and nodded it in. <laughs> now that was a special feeling. I think that has to be an highlight just because it's so unheard of with a goalkeeper scoring. And then, I got a lovely picture up on uh, in the wall of my dad's house where Gareth Bell's he's marking me from the corner. He was only seventeen. I've got a picture and he's looking up like that, and I'm just rising above him and heading it in. So now nah, it was a, that was special. I, I would probably maybe just go for that one. Oh, great answer, quality. Um, bullet, bullet, bullet header, like give you that. <laughs> bullet header. <laughs> um, at your time at Forest. Um, we see you were there when Roy Keane was there as well. Um, yeah. What was Roy Keane like as a person when he was uh, when he was like? Keane was uh, he was just a young lad. He was pretty quiet. He'd come over from Ireland. Nothing like he obviously is now. You could see he had, he had that drive. He's got you know his typical Southern Irish lad. His drive and determination and a, and a born winner. And he used to be a boxer, didn't he? So. Um, but he was a, he was a, he was quiet. He was only young, and then, but he was only there two years, and then and then left for three and a half million quid, having been signed, I think, for about ten grand. Um, but now I, I had a good good relationship with Keeney. I love watching him on telly. Now he's what he, he's one of them. You put it on, you certainly don't want to turn it off, do you? No, uh, And he was he was a massive part of our our success that we had in the nineties as well. Brilliant signing. He has to go down as one of the all-time great signings for Forest Lake. Uh, but he had this little fiery streak about him. But to be a winner, you've got to have it. And that's certainly what he is. He's a winner. Born winner. Yeah, 100%. Totally justified with his uh, success he went off to have a Man United as well. Like, just yeah. To prove what a winner he is. Yeah. So, obviously, uh, unfortunately, relegated under Clough with Forest. Yeah. Um, and then... How did you? It was Frank Clark take over. That's season? right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a shame, really, because he got poorly. The gaffer, uh, Cuffy, he got he got really poorly, um, and he probably that year we got relegated. He probably didn't manage like he would normally manage any other year. You know? um, and we paid the price, and uh, but yeah, then. I think that's the good thing about Forest, and I think a lot of clubs make this mistake. Where I look at Forest now, and since 1999, last when they were last in the Premier League, they've had something like 31, 32 managers. You can't get you can't get success with with change like that. So what 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 Forest did? Cluffy had been there 16 years. The best thing that Forest did was make someone manager who'd won two European Cups with Forest. Understood the city, understood understood what the club was all about. So when he came in, Frank, he didn't have to change too much. Yeah. He just had to bring in um, some, some new players and he didn't bring many players in. Um, and we went straight back up, no problem at all. And then the following season, we finished third in the Premier League, which I think is still a record from a team that gets promoted from the championship into the Prem, we finished third. And then we went on to get to the quarterfinal of the 
it was the UEFA Cup. Should have been the Champions League, but at that time there was only two teams qualified, and we finished third, so we missed out on the Champions League. Just um, so we went into the UEFA Cup. So in three seasons, promotion, third in the Prem, quarter final, uh, we went out to Bayern Munich. Um, so it was that, and then since Frank, there's just been too much change. Yeah. And that's why they are where they are at the moment because it's just constant change. The, uh, well, even kind of towards the, the end of the 90s, as you say, just after Frank Clark, uh, who was it between him and Ron Atkinson? Um, after Frank, I think it was, I think, I think it was Dave Bassett. Dave Bassett. Because yeah. Frank's last season, we got relegated as well. Uh, Dave Bassett took us straight back up, and then we, I think, I think we struggled the following season, and then Dave left, and then um, the thing is as well, we couldn't keep all the, all the, the likes of Keynes, Collymore's, Cloughs, Pierce. We couldn't keep them because Forest were a selling club because we, because we were yo-yoing up and down between the champ and the prem. At the end of the season, a, a lot of the better players got sold sold on, you know, so. Uh, we never got no um, word. We, we never got no stability. Like, see, yeah, stability, yeah. Like to to keep the club in the Premier League and then move on from there. We were up, down, up, down, up, down. And when you lose your best players, yeah. And then I think Big Ron came in, yeah. Tried to save us. First day, sat in the wrong wrong dugout. <laughs> playing Arsenal at home his first game at home and he goes and sits in the Arsenal dugout we, we got we, after the game we come in the dressing room and he said I couldn't understand when I sat in that dugout how this team could be getting relegated when I'd got so much talent sat around me on the bench <laughs> Martin Keown and all that and then he realised wrong bench typical Ron <laughs> great fella a lot of time for him great character that's and amazing. then after, I, I can't remember. Then after Ron, uh, David Platt, David Platt, it, it didn't do a good job. Well, that's um, between Brian Clough and Ron Atkinson. That's two of the biggest characters in management of uh, in English football, nearly. Great fun. Clough, it was brilliant. Like, and then Ron, what a character! Unbelievable character. Uh, you could say pretty similar, really. In, the, in their ways and their old old school ways. Yeah. And then it was time for me to go to the borough. Like after when David Platt, he just, David Platt changed everything um, and he didn't want any of the older players that had been there a while. Yeah. He wanted us all out. So I ended up going on a free to, to borough. Some, some squad, that borough squad. Oh, great club. Brilliant. Like, yeah. It was a good, it was some top players there when I went there. Boxic and Janino, second time around, Pallister, Cooper, Ince. <laughs> just go on and on and on, yeah. you know what I mean? A lot of big players in there. What was what was it like in the dressing room with all them like big characters? Good. It was. We had a really good dressing room, with, um, good camaraderie. And uh, yeah, there were some big characters in there. Ince, your inses and people like that. Some big characters in there. But I've always been one 
in a dressing room that I've always been life and soul of the party. I've always loved the banter. And so you can go as big and bigger names as you want. Like, but I, I never used to take any crap myself anyway. I was bigger than everybody else, so it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> did, did Boxich used to smoke? I don't know where I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the foreign players did. They still do. A lot do. Um, but Alan, Alan used to put his fag out right at the at the dressing room door before he went in the building. <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd, you'd think he'd do it discreetly, wouldn't you? Because it, it's probably not the right thing to do as a, as a footballer, but um, he weren't bothered. He was so laid back in me. But when you're on 100 grand a week in the 90s, it doesn't really matter. You do what you want, can't you? Not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he was a great guy. He was a great fella. Good character. I liked Alan. He was good and a great player as well. He was uh, he was in a great Croatia team in the nineties when they hit mm. Duker up front. Yeah, those two. Um, what was Chrissy and Caranbu like? Just quiet, really quiet. Uh, and he was married to a, a, a worldie, wasn't he? And all. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I'm proper supermodel. Oh, mate, it was funny. Neil Madison, I don't know if you've heard this story. Neil Madison, I I, off, I, I remind Mad of it all the time. So Neil Madison used to get changed to Christian. Right. Um, and one day he decided to put all posters of Christian's missus inside his own locker. <laughs> so when, when Christian come out of the shower, he'd have the locker door wide open with pictures of his missus. I love that's what he used to do, but you could have a guess. Yeah, I love oh, that. That's brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> So it would have been Brian Robson that took you there. Eh? Yeah. Then- it was strange how I went there because I'd agreed to sign for Ibs. Ibs were doing really well in the Scottish League and it was the best offer that I'd had. And I went up to Edinburgh and I liked it and I fancied living in Edinburgh and Alex McLeese was manager. So I agreed everything. I agreed contract there and I was about to go up and then Colin Cooper, my ex-teammate at Forest, who was at Borough, said, have you signed yet for anybody? And I goes, I'm about to go and sign for... Hibbs. He said, well, the gaffer said, hold on, he wants a word be like. So Brian Robson rang me, he said, I said, I've agreed with Hibbs. I said, but I haven't signed yet. He went, do a U-turn, get yourself down here, come and have a medical. Uh, and when he offered me the package, I couldn't I couldn't turn it down. And when I seen the training ground and, you know, I just thought, uh, but he did say you're going to come as number two, which... I was 30, 33 at the time, and I, I didn't really want to... Was I 33? 30, what year was it? 2000. Thir- no, I was 30. I was 30, so I was at a stage where I wanted to be playing weekend, but I just thought, do you know what? I think I can get in, and when I get in, I'm confident I can stay in. But then Brian Robson let... So Mark Swartz was here, was a brilliant keeper. But, you know... Stephen McLaren then took over. I got in the team, did really, really well. Probably playing as good a football as I've ever played. And then as soon as Mark got fit, he put him straight back in, which as a seasoned pro, I didn't agree with it. And I felt as though, well, I'm never going to play, even if I get in and do well. So I came here with the intentions of, OK, I'll be number two, but when I get in, I want to stay in. I believe that's the way it should be. Um, I built up a great rapport with the, with, with the, with the fans at Borough as well. Um, so I had to move and then 
Steve Bruce tried to sign me at Birmingham and Middlesbrough were a little bit naughty at the time. And as when they agreed the fee, they, Middlesbrough then upped the fee. Yeah, uh, which put them off, and that they went for Mike Taylor from Fulham then, because they got a bit, they got a bit peeved off with messing around. Borough then offered me a new contract, but then my mate was manager of Fulham, Chris Coleman, who I played with for Wales, and he said, "Listen, come down here. We've got Edwin Van der Sar. You'll love working with him. He ain't going to be here long. He's going to get sold. Is that is that good? Which we know that uh, when he goes." You're in, and if you stay in, the, the spot's yours, and I'll give you my word and shook hands. So that's why I went for um, But I just struggled really badly with injuries, and I couldn't, could never stay fit. So that was the end of that one. I was on the side like a person. Brilliant. He was quality as a key. Great lad. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? He paid me a massive compliment, Edwin did, because when he left, he told people that he'd learned a lot from me because I was very vocal behind my back four. I was very, very vocal. Uh, and Edwin was quiet. He just relied on his ability, which he was probably the best or one of the best. Uh, but then when he went to Man United, I asked, I asked Giggsy about him and he said, no, no, he talks all the time, talks all the time. And, and, and Edwin paid me the compliment that the he learned off me how to actually speak to a back four and organise, which was really, really nice of him. Oh, that's really nice. Oh, High praise, that, from Van der Sar. He's uh, yeah. all in the game. Yeah. Club level. Yeah. Best Top guy. Really nice fella. Lovely family. Just really nice guy. What was... Uh, did you have much dealings with Al Fayed? Was he still... Was he still owner? Yeah, he was... Yeah, he was... Uh, he didn't know anybody's name. Him. He only knew Edwin's name. He used to come in the dressing room before the game and go around and say hello to everybody, but he never knew anybody's name. He knew Edwin's and he said, I, I only know you, Edwin. He says, because I have to pay you too much money. <laughs> uh, but it was great. I mean, we got the use of Arrods, you know what I mean? So we got like massive discount at Arrods, <laughs> which actually made it the same price as everywhere else after you got a discount. Um but we had loads of perks and that at our heads, like Christmas time, we're going to see Santa and all that. And it was, and we, and he used to give us a massive hamper at Christmas yeah. as a, as a gift. Uh, and I'm talking a massive hamper, massive, like you could, I could fit in the hamper, you know what I mean? In the big box. And it was all arid stuff like cheeses, wines, champagne, and all. I never bought any Christmas presents for the family because I just used to give them all the arid stuff. <laughs> they loved it. So, and every time we got a good result, like he said, we'd be at Liverpool or Arsenal or a big club or, or Chelsea. We, we beat Chelsea in a derby, which I played in. Um, next minute, you walk into training, there's a massive amper where you get changed. Thank you from Mr. Fired. I'll fire So, yeah, I never got really a chance to sit and meet him and talk to him. He's one of the characters. Yeah. Um, so, after, well, actually, you played with Jimmy Bullard, didn't you, for them? Yeah, Ravy Lunatic, man, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've become good mates with Jimmy. Again, I love people that like the banter and stuff like that. And he came to Fulham and he just 
lifted the dressing room another notch. You know what I mean? We had a lot of French lads there as well, like Malbronk and Legwinski and some foreign players. And I don't think <laughs> I don't think they kind of like they thought, who's this character we've signed here? Like Jimmy, he's always up to something every day. Jimmy, like fire extinguishers, letting him off in the showers and. First day, he t- turned up training first day and we used to meet on these steps and Chris Coleman, the manager, come down and he'd go, right, lads, this is what we're doing today. Going to go with the fitness coach, then you're going to go with the first team coach, then you're going to come to me and we're going to do some tactical work. Where's Jimmy? Where's Jimmy? Signed Jimmy Bullard, first session, not there. Off you go, training, we're not waiting for him, so we're going to do the warm-up with the fitness guy. Next minute, he runs around the back of the building, Jimmy, and he's got the... The Borat, the green Borat outfit on. <laughs> First day training, joins in training with a green Borat outfit on. Oh, Character. That's quality. Quality. Um, so, after Fulham then, mate, um, loan spell at Sheffield Wednesday, which we touched on earlier a little bit. Yeah. Where you scored, a, joining an elite club of goalkeepers that yeah. gold to the name. Um, who was in charge at Chef Wed? Brian Laws was obviously, and he was an old teammate. So, as soon as he got the Wednesday job, I dropped him a text saying, "Like, I don't think Fulham would uh, stand in my way if I could go out on loan. I'd been injured. I'd, I, I wasn't fully fit when I went to Sheffield Wednesday. I'd had am- hamstring trouble." Um, I said I'd love to come up because I wanted to get home. I wanted to move on. I'd split up uh, with my wife to be, uh, at that time and. Um, I wanted to get home because I was a bit lonely down there. So I picked up the phone, rang laws, and it was done within 24 hours. So it was a chance to get home as well. And then once I got home, I wanted to stay near home. So then after my short spell at Wednesday, I went back to Fulham till the end of the season for uh, for, for a little while, just basically to say your goodbyes and that. And, uh, and then I ended up, going with my mate John Sheridan at Oldham so just to see my career out really yeah um, at some stage you've got to drop down the leagues so I went there still enjoying with John it, yeah. and since then I've been wherever John's gone um, I've gone gone as part of his coaching team good stuff um, still enjoying it as you go down to like the lower levels, still enjoy it as much as playing. In nah, the that's why I've given up. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm not saying I'll never get back in because I don't know. You never say never. But at the moment, um, got the sack for the first time in, in my career in January. January the 2nd, 2020. Uh, manager was relieved of his, of his duties. Uh, naturally, his staff go with him. So I went. And I, I was only working part-time at Chesterfield then. I'd left Notts County. Uh, I'd done three years there. And I look back on them three years and I was travelling from home and I was leaving at six in the morning um, to make sure I got there for eight o'clock, first meeting, getting home at six at night, then going and doing the little bits of after-dinner stuff. And I like totally like kind of left my family in the background and I've seen it as being a little bit, I don't know. I don't know how I did it for three years up and down that motto every day. Um, and it, it, I was like a space kid at times. I was like, you, you try, how did I get there? Oh, I can't remember. You know, just, yeah. just in that mindset. 
So then I went, I, uh, I wanted to have a break, but then John rang me and said, come to Chesterfield and come part-time. You can work Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays. Well, that ended up Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays, uh, which it, it always does. Uh, so when the sack come, it wasn't a relief, but it was, I was ready for a break. Um, and since, and I really struggled mentally, really, really struggled because all your life you've been told what to do, where to be, what to eat, when to sleep, who we're playing Friday, when we're traveling, to all times, all day, it's all logged and it trains the brain. And I always liked it to, I've never been in the army, but I can imagine it being like that, very regimental and, uh, and then when you when then when you become a coach, you also become an organizer as well. So you're organizing trips, coaches, because you haven't got the staff, the money to pay staff to do it. So we have to do it amongst ourselves. And I, once I come out of it, I really really struggled. What am I going to do now? Although I wanted a break, I, I really really struggled. And then a few things happened in my life around about the same time. Dad got cancer. And all these things seemed to happen and I really struggled up there. Really, really struggled. But I'm fine now. And uh, that's why I got into the, the charity stuff. Yeah. A lot of footballers that have come out and expressed their troubles after leaving football, Dean Windass, Chris Kirkland. We've all got together, formed this charity and it's going really well. So we're helping a lot of people. So that's that's the buzz I'm getting at the moment. That's yeah. the thrill is helping other people. Um, and it's nice. It's nice to give a little bit back it's nice to be nice you know although sometimes it's stressful but yeah and as I say I'm playing loads of golf um, and I'm just waiting for the after dinner circuit to start back up now because that's gone really really well and that kind of made my mind up that just to keep the finances ticking over although there's your pension there you can take I took my pension last year um, but the after dinner stuff is it just helps pay the bills basically but it's something I really, really enjoy. Enjoy. Uh, I enjoy making people laugh. <laughs> Good man. I've got to see. Yeah, um, been to a few. We'll have to. We'll have to keep an eye out for where, where they're at. Keep an eye out where they're at. I think. I've, where Where are you lads based? Carlisle. Carlisle. All oh, right. Uh, I've been up there actually. I did. Uh, I might be going back there as well. Actually, I'll let you know. Oh, I just did a small a small club up there. It was great, actually. People people loved it. Kirk, uh, Kirk Kirk's somewhere. Begins with K. Kirk, um, Not Kirk Lees or something like that. No. 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 Anyway, it was near Carlisle. Anyway, well, I'll be up in Carlisle soon. Anyway, we, that's where we're starting our coast to coast walk on July the thirteenth. Oh yeah. We're doing Adrian's Wall for the charity, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Oh, quality, man. Uh, I run a pub in Carlisle, so... Anything, oh, dear. Yeah, anything like that, I can put it on social media if you just give me a message. Sound. Yeah. Um, Apple tree get free beer, then. Yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Top, man. Um, what was, yeah, it's really good. Like, the walking is brilliant thing. Just loads of ex-pros that are actually opening up about mental health struggles. It's... It's, it's such a tabo- it feels like such a taboo subject even still now, but definitely nothing compared to what it was say 15, 20 years ago. When no, the likes of yourselves like speaking more openly about it and stuff. Yeah, I think I think at some stage in people's life, I'd be amazed if anybody doesn't go through through it at some level. Some level. This is the research I've done, and we, we've all done is that 
everybody has their own little issues on different scales. But what we are trying to encourage is if, if we can talk about it, people that have been in the public eye for a long, long time, if they're quite, quite happy to open up and speak about it, then other people are going to follow and it can only help. So we started this before COVID even came around. And it's just shown through COVID that mental health's gone gone through the it's gone through the roof. Issue mental health issues have gone. I've got a, a sister-in-law works high up in the NHS. She said you would not believe the amount of how it, how it's gone up. The percentage of people that are coming out now and saying and struggling since COVID, losing their jobs, everything. Uh, so we're just we're, we're trying to help the situation. Simple as that, really. Lovely stuff. Um, right, just a little bit conscious of time, Mark. We don't want to keep you. No, any, that's fine. Any 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 uh, any longer than your time you've given up? Uh, no worries. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you very really much for your time. All the best with you, lads. Thank, Thank you very you. much. No, take care, lads. All the best. Yeah. Take care, mate. So that was it. Um, Mark Crossley, everybody. Uh, thanks to thanks to him for coming on. Um, breaking the mould, I suppose. First one in. So thank you very much, Mark Crossley. Thoughts on that, lads? How did it go? As well, he, did it for, he did it for free, so that was pure nice of him. Yeah, absolutely. He <laughs> <laughs> was uh, on it. Like at one point, it looked like it wasn't going to happen because we were there was a bit of a mix-up in getting the times. And bless him, like message him on Twitter and that, and he like bent over backwards to get in touch with us and make sure yeah. it happened. Um, it was, uh, yeah, tied it in with the school run. And, uh, yeah, just just an absolute gent. The the stuff he spoke about, about the mental health and stuff, was, uh, I think, will do people a lot of good and all. Is uh, yeah, great bloke. Really enjoyed it. Even Absolutely. Extremely Absolutely. <laughs> it's fine. We, we'll get, we'll, we'll be pros in no time. <laughs> Follow us on social media, Instagram, prawn underscore sandwich. Follow us on Twitter at prawn podcast and subscribe to us on YouTube and tell your friends. Like, about share, us. and review. Yeah, share, Absolutely. review, positive reviews. Yeah. And keep a lookout because we've got some more X Pros coming up. Yeah. Plenty more in the bag. <laughs> right. See you later. Bye. How's the bacon, did you say? Here's Sancho. Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Hello and welcome to the Prawn Sandwich Podcast Season 4. I am your host Nathan Cupid and as usual joined by Jamie Jackson and Dylan McKenzie. Hello. Afternoon. Um, we hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Ryan of the FM Retro Group. Um, shout out to him. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, shout out to our sponsors, T7 Clothing and Apple Tree Pub in Carlisle. And this week, it's the first of a new venture, shall we say, for the podcast. Um, it's a guest, but it's an ex-pro. Yes. Yes. We've finally got ourselves on the ladder. This is it. So, our first pro, ex-pro guest is none other than Nottingham Forest legend, Mr. Mark Crossley. So, 
it was uh, it was an absolute joy to interview him. Um, I just want to put a disclaimer out before the interview goes off. That <laughs> as it was our first one, what I personally thought started off pretty well. I felt like I fell to shit because I was quite in awe of the situation and got very nervous as the interview went on. So yeah. please, please uh, forgive my uh, debut interview. <laughs> an absolute legend of football, but uh, what an absolute lovely bloke. Love it. Love it. I wasn't there for this when I was at work, but it's just, I'm proud of these lads. I'm proud of our little podcast. It's grew up so fast. I know. Uh, it was, uh, you. It was, it was a, it was a nice talking moment. shit about songs to interview an ex-pros. <laughs> <laughs> I still say Football the Music is one of my favourite ever episodes, to be honest. <laughs> it, it, just, it just popped into my head. That's why it's the first one I said. I was like, right. <laughs> Love it. So, why, why beat around the bush? Let's get into it. So, get ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is Mark Crossley. Enjoy. <laughs>